either you're thinking of getting a new iPhone 12 and still can't decide between the regular and the pro, you just got a new iPhone 12 and are watching that exchange period tick, tick, tick down and want to make sure you got the right one for you or you've had your new iPhone 12 for a while and still want to make absolutely sure, like Indy, you chose wisely. Either way. Anyway, I've got Brian Tong on the line to re-review everything we've learned and experienced about both the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro. Now, today, more than two months later. So hit that subscribe button and bell and let's do this. Sponsored by CuriosityStream, less than $12 a year and Nebula for free for a limited time. So we've had a few weeks with the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 Pro. I know when they first came out, some people looked at them and said, there's not much difference. So save yourself a couple hundred bucks, go with the iPhone 12. You're not going to miss the different builds. You're not going to miss the extra camera. You're not going to miss the extra RAM. And other people were like, there's only a couple hundred bucks difference. You might as well just pay it, get the, get the better build, get the extra camera, get the extra RAM. What's, what side of that did you fall on? Well, as a creator, I'm going to fall on the pro side. But for people that aren't that don't have creation as their priority and are still getting just an amazing camera, I would lean towards telling them to get an iPhone 12. I would tell my mom to get that. I would tell my sister. I tell my nieces and nephews. But because, you know, for these are tools, right? These these are quite honestly more than phones. So for me, I obviously lean towards pro just because I want as much versatility as possible. And also now that they've unlocked pro raw it makes me feel like I now have another tool that I can play with and potentially use and put out even more exciting content for photos that the regular 12 can't do. So I'm on team 12 Pro. Do you have a preference just in the design? I know they both look similar, but you've got the aluminum on one side, the stainless steel on the other side. Do you like the new squared off edges? And do you have a preference between the lightness and the heaviness? Because I am also team... 12 Pro, but I do like the lightness of the regular 12. For me, going from an 11 Pro to a 12 Pro, I still think I love the design visually, but it's still a little boxier and a little, if you hold them side by side, it's a little more awkward to wrap your fingers around um, that kind of more squared off edge. It takes up more surface area. It doesn't bother, bother me, but if when I hold an 11 Pro, I'm like, damn, I love how that one feels so much better than this. Um, quite honestly, from the, the weight, and just even the build, whether you know it's the um, the the aluminum frame or the steel frame, I actually because most of us are rocking a case. I was so excited to get a gold iPhone 12 Pro, to, and I was like, "Oh, I can't wait! I love! I finally this is my first gold iPhone." I don't even see that this this could be any color iPhone. So from that perspective, that doesn't ma- that that actually doesn't matter for me from the aesthetic standpoint. But I mean, the t- the 12 is a kill the 12 is a killer phone but I'm a 12 pro. Another one of the big things was just so much drama around 120 Hertz that Apple didn't do it this year. Uh, you know, and there's a few things like Apple was not going to go just to 120 Hertz, but also Apple 60 Hertz is really, really good. It's better than a lot of phones, 60 Hertz. Uh, what was your, like, I, I kind of forgot about it. Like I love 120 Hertz. I would take it in a second if they offered it, but I, I've barely thought about it since. I'm 100% in your camp. I, I love 120 hertz on the iPad Pro, it for for whatever reason it would feel like a lesser of a product if that didn't have it. And I think because it's such a larger screen, you you actually notice the refresh rate and how smooth it looks overall more often. It did 
I didn't even blink. Yeah, people were complaining about it. I'm like, you're not going to notice it. And 99% of users won't even notice it. They won't, If you told them, if we gave them an iPhone with a 120 hertz refresh rate, I don't even think you'd hear most people even mention it, right? They wouldn't say, oh my gosh, this is so much smoother. So like you, I didn't miss it. It doesn't affect the experience of the phone in any way, shape, or form. I've never even wanted to jump to another platform as my primary phone because they had 120 hertz either. So it's one of those stats that is a nice check check mark to have, but it literally doesn't really matter. And I, and I do get the pushback, the criticism that, you know, non-nerds don't care about 120 hertz, but non-nerds don't care about Dolby Vision either. And Apple did that. But it just it feels to me like, mm-hmm. you know, Apple knew that they could do that well. And I do have some criticism of how they did it, but they knew they could do that well. And they didn't feel like they could do 120 hertz well yet. They wanted the adaptive refresh rate like the iPad. They couldn't get it this year. Uh, because there just weren't enough panels available to do it this year. So they're doing it next year. And they knew they were going to get drubbed in the tech, you know, tech review space. Uh, so I, I think that's fine. I think like if you want to be ambitious, if you want to do features that cater to like the pro community, like pro raw uh, uh, Dolby Vision, and you think you can do them well, that's great. But I don't think there's any disparity in them not doing what they think they can do poorly and doing what they think they can do well. That to me just sounds like good product management. End result with 120 hertz doesn't really matter dolby vision you we love the fact that it's there is everyone using it no how how much is it even being used right now probably not that much but for me it was exciting but again they they made sure to implement it in a way that was at least simple wasn't complicated it's just there pro raw is the same many people probably don't even know the setting exists on their phone to to flip that switch on and that's because in a weird way, right? I'm not saying it is a pro feature, but the, it's a little more buried so that someone like my mom's like, what is ROMing? Why is this icon on my camera? Wait, what? I've just pressed it. I don't even know what happens. They don't want their target market, which is the general consumer, to ever even have to think about that stuff. I'm just salty, and I'll, I'm going to be salty for a while, that everything has an on-screen toggle except for HDR, which is the thing I would probably use the on-screen toggle for the most, just because universal support it's taking a while to get there and I forget when it's on. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I've got to deal with this now. And I've either got to grade it manually in Final Cut, which takes forever, or I've got to find an old iPad to airdrop it to so that it sends the SDR version tone map instead, and then round trip it to my Mac to get the SDR version. Likewise, with the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, I think some people are upset with the 5G because it does add considerably to the price. Like Qualcomm's going to get paid and not everybody has usable or any 5G. And it's sort of like back in the day, we felt like we were all paying the the CDMA tax for the Qualcomm modem in countries that didn't even have CDMA. And now it feels like we're paying the 5G tax, even if we don't have it. I think what's interesting with that conversation is, okay, so we are definitely paying because this phone has 5G. 5G is pretty much, look, I haven't, I literally have not within a 10 mile radius of where I live, have been even able to pick up a true 5G signal on my phone. So to me, it's just like, whatever. But at the same time, it would have looked, Apple wouldn't be able to explain away like, no, no, 5G isn't ready. If they came out with the, if the iPhone 12 lineup was a 4G phone, I think people would have poo-pooed them on that, right? So this is a situation. (laughs) They got great for it over the 11. Right, right. So this is a thing where in a weird way, it was kind of not really a win-win situation, but the thing to do is just put 5G in there. You won't have to hear people bitch about it. 
yeah, it's not ready, but it's not ready for everyone else. But at least it's something that people won't give us a hard time for. It'll help set things up for the future. But yeah, it makes our phones more expensive. But they had to. They, that was just one of those things that they kind of had to do. It's, it's interesting to me because I do have 5G just in my little neighborhood. Like if I go two streets in any direction, it's gone. And I have, um, I think it's mid-band 5G. It's, um, it's, it's uh, right. frequency range one. So I'll get like twice the speed I get on LTE. So instead of 150, I'll get 300 or like 350, something like that. And it's really good. It's just if I, you know, once I walk two blocks, it's gone. So it, it feels like even now it's a year too early and the modems are still really you know, uh, hot and thirsty, uh, but we are getting there. I do, I do agree with you though. I think that it would have been worse for them not to put out 5g phones, but it, I just wish 5g had been more useful. And I wish I could see like that millimeter wave was useful at all for anyone except for <laughs> Verizon and AT&T at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So MagSafe. That was one of the big new announcements that came with the phone. You can now do uh, inductive magnetic charging. You have the puck. You have the wallet. It's not just charging. It's accessories, too. The wallet. You have the MagSafe Duo. What has your experience been like with MagSafe? I think MagSafe is nice. I. It's something that it's a nice to have. It's still not you know, a requirement for me. I think more than anything, that, that little MagSafe puck, because it kind of slides around on the table, a little bit. I think they, they almost need like a, a little more of like a, not a stand, but some sort of a square thing to kind of keep it in place to, to at least make it more pad if you want. Uh, I love MagSafe because of the implications for the future of how they're, yeah, they're trying to get to this portless iPhone idea. The MagSafe is obviously the gateway and the feature that allows them to get to that point. I would say though, the MagSafe Duo Charger, which I tried out, is a product that I see why they put it out there, but at 129 for what it does, for the fact that you can't take advantage of the full 15 watts of charging, and you actually, even if you buy the 20 watt USB-C charger, it's you only get like 11 watts output. You have to buy a $49 30 watt power adapter or higher to get the max wattage, which is 14 on that Duo charger, and that thing is 129 bucks. So to really get the peak performance of that little thing, just talking about $170, $70 for that. Uh, and also the construction is, it feels similar to the uh, AirPods Max case material, just kind of vinyl-y, plastic not, not that great, just there. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of that product. So, so for me, the, Air, the MagSafe Duo, I think it was a product meant for a world where none of this shelter in place existed, where you had people who were wealthy, high Apple affinity, had a watch and a phone and just wanted something small and premium they could fold up and carry around when they traveled. And this charging speed wasn't important because it was mostly going to be used overnight. Um, but to me, like the, the thing that kills it is that even that does like, yes, they took the charger out of the box and I'm still upset about that, but they don't even have the charger with the charging <laughs> the two MagSafe chargers that you can buy, the regular and the duo. And that to me is just like two steps beyond. Come on, come on, guys. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% there with you. I think we're, <laughs> we're in agreement with the duo charger. It's, just, it's total bad uh, apple. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's a bad apple. You gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta lean into that. Um, <laughs> the, the wallet, I think it was, although it's not perfect, it's not great. I think there was obviously the, the knee-jerk internet reaction where they saw it slide off. It has slid off on me when I put it in my pocket but it doesn't happen every time. It's something that I wouldn't, 
I, I bought it. I returned it because it just wasn't good enough for me. Peter McKinnon actually turned me around a little bit on the MagSafe wallet because I didn't pay it too much attention. I just like tried it out. Uh, and he's a leather goods maker, you know, besides mm. everything else he does, magic and yeah. photography and all yeah. that, uh, yeah. just so extra, um, th- that it is really well made. I think on the smaller phones, it works better. I think when you're using like the bigger phones, there's more area for it to move around. But on the mini and on the 12, it fits really well. And I think if I did live that two card lifestyle, you know, <laughs> uh, I could see myself being all in on that. I, I just need more cards. I, I still have more cards I need to carry. You know, M-O-A-R, more cards. I need it to More. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you make a good point about the whole, uh, it, it would be nice on me. I mean, it's pretty much flush with it. So yeah. it, it, it comes off really nicely in that way. Yeah, that, that's a good one. So looking back sort of two months later, and I'll I'll let you go first and I'll go, What is what is your perception of the iPhone 12, 12 Pro, that middle size, two different options, uh, if people are looking at them, you know, they haven't bought yet. Maybe their contract's not up yet. Maybe they're waiting. What is your recommendation on them this year? If you really need a telephoto lens, which is only at 2X, and if you really want Pro Raw, those are the only two reasons for me, because I'm I'm even going to ignore the body construction. That, that, that doesn't really play that much into my decision, quite honestly, for that phone. It's more about the tools. So if those two things really matter to you, I say go to 12 Pro. If not, don't go 12, even explore the 12 mini. I think you're going to be more than happy and you won't need to $200. Guess what? To me, that's still a lot of money to make that jump up. So save that pocket it, put it towards more storage space, put it towards something else yeah. uh, in the, in the 12. I think you can use that a lot more effectively. So that would be my recommendation for people that are trying to figure it out still. Cause there's a, Look, two months is not that long after an iPhone releases. There's plenty of people that buy these phones all the time throughout the year. Yeah. So I agree 100% with you. There's one thing that I'll add, and it might just be my own intolerances, and that is that six gigabytes of RAM. If you use a lot of like more demanding apps, whether it's like heavier games or any social media app uh, you know, or photography stuff, to not have it relaunch so often, to be able to go longer, to be able to switch around and not have to wait for like, I'll say it, Pokemon Go to relaunch or not lose my tweet because I'm in the camera app. You know, like if that has always driven you like bananas on previous iPhones and you have the extra money, that six gigabytes of RAM, yes, it gives you uh, Dolby Vision at 4K60. Yes, it gives you Pro Raw. Just not having all those apps jettisoned to me I would. I'm ashamed to say I'd probably pay the extra 200 bucks just for that. You don't have to be ashamed. Again, like I said earlier, we all spend money in with what is important to us. That's why, right? I never. I'm not into shaming people for actually paying for the AirPods Max. It's just that there, you you got to really evaluate what's important to you, and yeah. that's a legitimate reason. Even if it wasn't legitimate, I'd still support you, Renee. It's all awesome. good. Awesome. <laughs> that's why I love you so much, Brian. <laughs> I love you too, bro. As always, you can find the full extended version of this chat up on Nebula. That's the streaming platform I'm building along with my education creator friends like Legal Eagle, Sarah Z, Ali Abdal, Thomas Frank, Braincraft, Polymatter, and 
so many more. It's a place where I can put up extended and bonus content without having to worry about demonetization or the tyranny of click-through rates or watch time or algorithms or even ads. You can find all of my videos there completely ad-free, including Apple Talk, my new podcast with psychotherapist Georgia Dow, which has a bonus topic every week only on Nebula. So what does all of this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, as the go-to source for the absolute best documentaries on the internet, they love educational content and thoughtful creators. And so we worked out a deal where if you sign up for a CuriosityStream using the link in the description, you not only get CuriosityStream, but you also get a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is offering 41% off 41% off their annual plans. That's less than $12 a year and an even better best deal, just the best deal in streaming. So click the link in the description and get CuriosityStream for 41% off and Nebula for free. Or you can go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and educational content directly for less than $12 a year. Just click the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. And clicking on that link really helps out the channel. For a ton more on the iPhone 12, click on the playlist above. I've got in-depth analysis, reviews, and lots more to come. So click on the playlist and I'll see you in the next video.